while we may be tempted to think of fasting as a work that is uh, against grace, uh, I rather want us to think about fasting um, as a habit of grace. It is a gift from God which he's given to us, his people, for us to um, have a greater awareness, a heightened awareness for him and his purposes in the world. Welcome to another episode of Shades Midweek, where we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. I'm filling in as your host this week. I'm Jonathan Hafes, the lead pastor of Shades Valley Community Church, and I'm going to be interviewing Brad Brown today, our discipleship pastor, my good friend, and personal golf pro, whom I go to for all of my golfing advice, which is none because I don't play. But Brad, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing all right. It's raining today, and I have to be honest, I'm tired of the rain. It has been raining for, it feels like forever. It's probably been like, what, two weeks, almost two weeks straight? Yes, I did not move to Seattle. I did not move to Scotland. I moved to Birmingham, Alabama. And the little booth that we're sitting in feels even more depressing because we have like pillows and and sound foam shoved into the window of this place to try and block out the noise of the rain. And and so it's just dark in here. <laughs> yeah, way to give away our production secrets, Jonathan. We're really trying to make this professional, and you just had to go and say that. Well, you know, high quality is what we're going for. But anyway, what we're doing uh, today on our second episode of Shades Midweek is continuing the conversation we began last week about the season of Lent. We have entered in fully now yes. into the season of Lent. And last week, we talked primarily about Ash Wednesday and the symbolism of the ashes. But that evening at our Ash Wednesday service, uh, Brad actually gave the homily and really focused in on fasting, which fasting is one of the central practices of the season of Lent. So I thought it'd be a good idea for us today to talk about fasting, what it is, why we do it. It's it's not something, at least in the circles that I think that you and I grew up in, Brad, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a... Uh, discipline or a means of grace that we knew much about, talked much about. It's yeah. it, it's kind of like the, you know, I, I don't know, just, just we, we talk about prayer and Bible reading and all of that, but fasting is just kind of out there in its other category. Yeah, this kind of weird thing we don't know what to do with. Right, right. And so even as uh, you and I were having discussions leading up to Ash Wednesday night and you believed that's where the Lord was leading you, you expressed to me that you were a little bit uncomfortable or even anxious about preaching about fasting. So share a little bit with us kind of why you're uncomfortable with, uh, why you were uncomfortable with uh, approaching that topic. Yeah. Uh, It was in much fear and trembling that I did approach the topic that evening uh, because one, I have to confess that uh, fasting is not something that I've really thought deeply about. I mean, it's like you said, both you and I grew up in traditions where fasting wasn't talked a lot about. And while I have uh, have heard people uh, teach about fasting and I have read a little bit about fasting um, recently, it, it's not something that I've thought a lot about. It's not something I've thought deeply about. And so you know, that's always horrifying when you have to get up and <laughs> preach on something that you haven't thought deeply about. Right. 
And so uh, that made me nervous. But then secondly, I, I have to confess that uh, fasting is not a regular rhythm in my Christian life. What? I know we are all shocked. Um, <laughs> but fasting is not a regular rhythm in my Christian life. And so even from an experiential standpoint, I have to acknowledge that this is not something that I have done consistently and have had a lot of uh, experience in. And so if those two things aren't horrifying enough, uh, I also just acknowledge that, you know, uh, that evening, everyone is coming in to the service with different uh, baggage when it comes to fasting. Uh, Everyone has had different experience with fasting. And so when I have, you know, 12 to 15 minutes to talk about a complicated issue like fasting, uh, that makes you nervous because there's a lot of things to say and a lot of people, you know, have different feelings uh, that arise in them when the pastor begins to talk about fasting. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, or just no feelings at all because we don't know what this thing is. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I mean, I think some of the reasons that people have that baggage is like you mentioned, you know, there, there's misconceptions or there have been abuses of uh, fasting. What, what are some things that maybe come to mind for you as you start to think through that baggage? Like what are some mm-hmm. common misconceptions about fasting or what have been abuses of it? Yes. So I think some of us might have grown up in traditions where uh, fasting was really just seen, whether it was communicated like this or not, we perceived it as just this act of sheer willpower. Um, And it really, when we would think about fasting, it really had nothing to do with God or really had nothing to do with communion with God. It was just this act to show how spiritual or how awesome we could be, right? It was about us. Right. Yeah, we definitely, you know, it's like a a spiritual, a spiritual muscle flex uh, (laughs) to, to everybody around you, which ironically, uh, you know, one of the quintessential passages where Jesus talks about fasting, yes. he specifically talks about doing it in such a way that nobody around you knows yes. that you're fasting, yes. that it's just between you and and the Lord. Yes. And I, I think we'll go on to talk about this, but scripture acknowledges that fasting can go wrong. <laughs> scripture itself uh, brings that up. And so... Um, yeah, that's, that's one misperception. I, I think another one is that uh, for some of us, when we think about fasting, we may think of it as some sort of self-punishment uh, that reflects this kind of negative view of the body. Uh, and the goal of all this is just like hurting ourselves and beating ourselves up. And if we can do that, then we will... <laughs> um, be taken to some spiritual state, some mystical state of nirvana where we will have some trippy, wild experience. And, you know, that understanding of fasting makes me uncomfortable, (laughs) personally. Sure. I don't know what you think, Jonathan. Right. No, no, for sure. Well, I think, you know, whether 
you think it's going to get you to this, you know, awesome spiritual experience or not. Like it can be seen, I think, as transactional mm-hmm. with God. Like yes. it's okay. Uh, my normal prayers aren't getting things accomplished. So I need to punish myself. I need to inflict something upon myself. Like mm-hmm. it, it become in, in order to um, get God to pay attention. Yeah, get God to pay attention. Like it becomes yeah. a bartering system. Totally with with the Lord. Like when you think about it in terms of uh, idolatrous uh, or or pagan religions uh, and 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 their practice of sacrifice like that's the whole point of sacrifice in paganism mm, is yeah, i'm bringing good. some kind of gift to god in order to put him in my debt mm-hmm. so that he has to pay me back or pay attention to me or whatever yes and uh which is is not the uh the christian or even the the jewish concept of sacrifice and and all that and so yeah i think that we can sometimes put ourselves with the practice of fasting, really in the mindset of, of paganism, not in the mindset of, a, of a, a Christian. Right. And so it just emphasizes this work that we do, and that's placed over and against God's grace. And like you said, we, we associate it with earning God's approval or attempting to twist God's arm. And we know those, those things are bad. And so we don't want anything to have to do with fasting. Um, I confess this, that I, uh, sometimes for some of us, the only time we think about fasting is when we're making a joke about fasting. Uh, it's a good thing that neither of us have already made jokes during this <laughs> podcast about fasting. Totally. Uh, right. But like in some ways it kind of reflects our view of it. Right. Right. For uh, sure. Making a joke about it, that it's this kind of ridiculous thing or this thing that, uh, someone that has, a that's hyper spiritual or would draw attention to their themselves would do. Right. Or we have to make jokes to make light of it because we're embarrassed that right. w- we have not taken it seriously. So, so we've got to make it this non-serious thing so we don't feel guilty. Yes. Guilt. <laughs> that's, that's totally what I was thinking when you said that. Um, and then I, I didn't uh, mention this in, in the, uh, ho- little homily that I gave on Wednesday, but, uh, fasting has, uh, began to be talked about more in our culture and in wellness culture. And with that, people will talk about the health benefits of intermittent fasting. And I don't think we have time or the qualifications to get into talking about that and the health benefits of it. But some of us might have concerns about that for various reasons. And then we might see Christians go to scripture and say, oh, well, look at scripture and look at what scripture says about fasting. And all, and it's because of all these health benefits that we now know about. And so maybe because we are uncomfortable with some of those health claims, then we say, oh, okay, well, I don't want anything to do with that. And if that's what scripture's trying to say, then I think that's problematic. Yeah. Right? And so we just kind of step away from the problem of fasting. Yeah. I think we've listed probably enough in probably the realm too of, many. of misconceptions. I actually have 20 more written down, but we'll, we <laughs> so, can move on. Yeah. Let's move into like a more uh, positive stance. So like, uh, you know, if, if we've listed these things that are misconceptions then, and misunderstandings, then, then let's talk about what actually is Christian fasting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I like a definition that I came across by Lynn. I think it's pronounced Bob. 
Um, Lynn, if that's not how your last name is pronounced and you're listening, I'm very, very sorry. Uh, but Lynn Bob in her book on the spiritual disciplines gives a very simple. I, I feel b- before we get too serious and into the <laughs> definition, I feel like I need to let everybody know that the reason Brad doesn't know how this is pronounced is because it's B A A B. You have revealed. Well, I just didn't want them thinking, why doesn't he know how to pronounce Bob? <laughs> like B O B. Like, what's hard about that? Her, the last name here is. B-A-A-B. So I don't know if that's Bob or Bob. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah not sure either. That's so with Bob. Okay. Um, All right. Now, so so give us Bob's definition. Yes. Um, so Lynn <laughs> gives a, net, a very simple and very broad definition, and I think it's just a good place to start. She talks about uh, Christian fasting is, she defines it as the voluntary denial of something for a specific period of time for a spiritual purpose. I'll say that one more time. Christian fasting is the voluntary denial of something for a specific period of time for a spiritual purpose. Um, and so I think that's a good base definition to get us started. And when we continue to look into what fasting is, as we open up the scriptures, we'll see that fasting is actually talked about a lot in scripture. I think there's 40 kind of stories narrative where fasting is mentioned and specifically uh, the word fasting is mentioned over like 75 times, I think. Um, and just to lay that next to something, uh, baptism, I think is mentioned like 75 times, uh, the word baptism. Wow. Uh, and it's various formulation, not formulations, variations on the word baptism. Uh, so that's not to say anything about the lack of importance of baptism or its particular place, but it's rather, I think, just to draw our attention to how much <laughs> fasting is uh, talked about. And uh, in Scripture, we see a lot of different types of fast, uh, a lot of different types of what practices that all fall under the category of sure. could fasting. You, could you name a couple of those? Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, actually, uh, a guy named, uh, Don Whitley, uh, and yes, that's how it's pronounced Whitley. <laughs> no question or confusion. Uh, he has a book. Nailed that one. He has a book on the spiritual disciplines that, uh, I would encourage you to check out. He has a, a chapter on fasting that I've found very helpful. Uh, but in that chapter, he, uh, lists these different types of fast and these fast, uh, these different types of fasts I'm naming will. Uh, often overlap with one another, but I think it just helps us get a grasp to see uh, how scripture talks about fasting. Uh, The first type of fast that he sees in scripture is what he calls a normal fast. Uh, It involves abstaining from food, but not from water. That's probably the thing that most normally comes to our minds when we think of fasting. Yeah, totally. And then he talks about a partial fast, and this is... uh, different from a normal fast. It's a limitation of our regular diet, but it's not an abstention from all food. So like we see this in the book of Daniel, uh, where they just eat vegetables and water. Uh, We see this practice throughout church history where people may limit their diet to a particular type of food. Uh, Oftentimes it's uh, a simpler meal, or maybe uh, Christians will remove a certain type of food from their diet. This would fall under the category of a fast. Um, an absolute fast 
is another type of fast that Whitley points to, and that's the avoidance of all food and liquid, even water. We see this in uh, the book of Ezra. Uh, Esther, when she calls the people to fast for her, as she goes before the king and intercedes from them, this is the type of fast that she calls them to. Um, we also see a congregational fast. This is where the, the congregation, the people of God, are called to a corporate fast. This is the fast of Esther that I just talked about. Like I said, they can overlap. We also see this in the book of Joel and some other places. Um, another type is uh, called a regular fast. And this just points to a fast uh, that happens on a in a... What a regular basis. A regular basis. <laughs> I I'm trying to say rhythm. A regular rhythm. <laughs> okay, okay. That's what I was looking for. Uh, we've seen the Old Testament each year. The Jews are called to fast on the Day of Atonement. Uh, I thought this was an interesting fact about John Wesley. If we have any Wesleyans listening. Uh, Wesley, would, Wesley said that he would not ordain a man to the Methodist ministry who did not regularly fast every Wednesday and Friday. did you find any specific reasons it was wednesday and friday like what if what if i didn't fast on wednesday and friday but thursdays and saturdays you know i didn't that that doesn't work i didn't look into all of his reasoning uh but it definitely shows the frame of mind that uh he had towards fasting right that that i would say you and i do not operate with let's just be clear (laughs) brad nor i would have been ordained by john wesley (laughs) that's very true um, but I think it, uh, that specific point just shows that th- throughout church history, um, there have been times where the church has said, okay, we're going to fast during this period of time or in this certain type of way. And I think today that might make us uncomfortable. Uh, we might be fearful of legalism. We might be fearful of this just becoming a routine or something. And while it certainly can, and while fasting certainly can become that, uh, as we talked about scripture, kind of acknowledging that in some ways, that still in and of itself, it's not a bad thing. Um, and then the last one is we also see occasional and spontaneous fast. So uh, someone fast as uh, someone begins fasting as a need arises or spontaneously in uh, response to something. And so he ends his list, Whitley ends his list, by just noting that in Scripture we see different types of fast and we see different lengths of fast, whether that's uh, one meal, one day, uh, one week, three days, uh, seven days. Um, we see uh, absolute fast for 40 days, right? Something that we would not advocate <laughs> um, uh, to... Uh, you all that's no food, no water. Right, 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 right. For 40 days. Right, right, right. Probably something that no one should attempt without the supervision of medical personnel. (laughs) Yes, Um, exactly. Unless you're Jesus. And (laughs) then, you know, I mean, the the son of God can, can do as he pleases. (laughs) Right. Um, I'm I'm curious in all of these different fasts, Mm -hmm. uh, we've been talking about food. Does Whitley have anything to say, uh, about, fasting in some other form because i mean yeah. as as we will readily acknowledge i mean there are people i mean we've made one too many jokes right and we just joked about you know f- 
fasting an absolute fast for 40 days. But there are people who have various and sundry medical conditions or issues mm-hmm. or whatever that, that means they should not fast from food yes. or water. So how could somebody uh, participate in a fast when that that's their situation? Yes. So I actually really like how Whitley approaches this because he acknowledges that primarily when scripture talks about fasting, it, it it's talking about fasting from food. And so I think there is something, something kind of particular about fasting from food as a practice that we need to give weight to. But at the same time, uh, we can certainly extend the concept to uh, other activities or actions. Uh, the, the famous English preacher uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones has a segment where he talks about this in a sermon and talks about uh, the benefit to extend fasting to other things. And so uh, and in this way, uh, in extending fasting to other activities, to uh, other practices that we have, uh, to s- other things that we consume, uh, it can be a way of revealing, not that fasting for food can't do this, but it can be a way of revealing an idolatry in our life. It can mm-hmm. be a way of revealing something that has uh, maybe too much of a hold on our life, something that we are too uh, dependent upon. Right. Well, I mean, right there, even in just saying that, you're kind of shifting into the next thing that I was going to ask, which is, you know, all these different types of fasts that we're talking about, like, what, what's the purpose of fasting? And you began to talk about that as, you know, uh, one of these things that reveals idols in our lives and things that we think that we're dependent upon. So, so let's expand on that. Like, why, why should someone fast? What mm-hmm. does scripture present us with as being the purpose of it? If it's not twisting God's arm, if it's not, you know, just self-inflicting pain for the sake of a spiritual experience or showing off my spirituality to other people, well, what is the point? Yes. Um, well, let me start by just acknowledging something that I think we all kind of inherently know about fasting. And that is that fasting creates space. And fasting, if we're abstaining from something, then we are creating a space for something else to have happen. Hmm. And I think the practicing of the, <laughs> I can't talk. The practice of fasting um, could be uh, such a beautiful practice for us to recover in the church in our age because we live in a culture in which we are constantly distracted by things and which we are constantly doing something busy on the go. And I don't think we realize it because we're just a part of this culture. I mean, we've, uh, we've grown up in it. Uh, if a culture is a river, a stream, it's not like we're sitting on the bank being like, man, look at that river stream. Like, look at the culture. Right. You know, we can do this in the church sometimes. Like, nope, we're just being taken by the current. <laughs> right. Um, we're a part of it. And so, uh, from for myself is uh, I've been reflecting and praying on what to fast from from the season of Lent. Uh, I've reflected on the amount of time that uh, social media and 
TV take up in my life. Right. And anyone that knows me would would know that. (laughs) You're very alone in that, by the way. (laughs) No one else can identify with with that. Right. Uh, Totally. And so uh, we'll get in. We'll probably get into more of that. Uh, But I just want to acknowledge from the meeting: fasting creates a, a, a space. And uh, while we may be tempted to think of fasting as a work that is uh, against grace, uh, I rather want us to think about fasting um, as a habit of grace. Mm. It is a gift from God, which he's given to us, his people, for us to um, have a greater awareness, a heightened awareness for him and his purposes in the world, right? Um, the beautiful thing about the practice of fasting is that it's not something that we uh, have to add to our schedule, in a sense, um, right? We're all saying, "Oh my gosh, one more thing!" Right, right, right. right. It's actually so the removal things. of things. Yes, it's actually the removal of things. And something that I think is uh, so important as we think about fasting is that. Um, Christian fasting has a, a purpose to it. You might say it, uh, that there is a biblical purpose. There are biblical reasons for fasting. And so, um, and this is so important as we think about the practice of fasting, uh, because it's not beneficial for us to just fast from something and to be sitting there and thinking, oh, this sucks. <laughs> when is this going to be over? Right. Sure. Um, I wonder if I could just watch cable news. Is that really TV? (laughs) Does that count? Maybe I could just do that. Right. Um, we can't just think about the pain. We can't just think about how awful this is. Um, when we fast, it's important for us, uh, to, to have a purpose and scripture gives us many different, purposes for fasting. So in scripture, we see people fast to seek God's guidance. We see them fast to express grief. We see people fast to seek deliverance or protection. We see people fast to express repentance and return to God. That's why fasting has been associated with the season of Lent. We see people fast to humble themselves before God, to uh, sort of acknowledge their humanity, mortality their need for him. We see people fast to express concern for the work of God. We see uh, people fast to express love and worship of God. That might surprise us. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, the word I hear you saying over and over again is express, you yes. know, and I, I kind of the two words that I think have been helpful to me and the purpose of fasting is express and intensify. Um, I think there are so many things in our lives and our spiritual experiences that, uh, we can't see, we can't touch. We don't, that, that, that we need some way to give expression to them. Um, like I, I, I think about like the feeling of grief, right? The feeling of grief has these various physical manifestations and physical expressions that actually help us in our grief. So like crying and tears, you know, what's the point? 
yeah. of tears and crying. It actually is this physical manifestation of what's going on within within us, and and it helps us in some way. And fasting, I think, is is this gift of God's grace that can give expression to a lot of these things that we feel yes. uh, can even intensify in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, the the these things that we feel and can actually help us as we seek God's guidance, as we want to uh, uh, fast on behalf of a community to express our longing for whatever it is we're praying for, for the community. Um, so yeah, express and intensify, I think has been, been helpful. Yeah, that's so good. So, so that, I guess just to kind of sum up and bring our conversation to a close, that leads me to ask, um, you know, on Wednesday night, on Ash Wednesday, you invited Shades to fast during the season of Lent. Yes. Uh, specifically, you called a corporate fast. Let's fast for the purpose of interceding for one another. Yes. So could you give us just a couple ideas of what that could look like? Yes. So one of the things I want to say from the beginning is that there's a lot of freedom. There's a lot of room in this fast. And so this will look different for everyone. And this is between uh, the individual seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit, asking uh, our Heavenly Father, what do you want me to fast from? And uh, when I'm fasting, who do you want me to pray for? And so for some of us, this might look like just giving up lunch once a week. For some of us, it might look like giving up lunch every day of the week. For some of us, it may look like fasting from a particular type of food. For some of us, it may look like fasting from a particular type of beverage. For some of us, like we've talked about, it may not be food because that wouldn't be healthy for us. And so it may look like us fasting from social media or TV or something else. Um, And that space that's created, right? We don't just want to think about how bad it is. We want to spend that time. And when we feel that pain, when we feel that loss, when we go to our phones to go on social media, that's to be a trigger for us to say, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be praying for the body. Hmm. I'm supposed to be praying for Shades Valley. I'm supposed to be praying for others. And so do that. Yeah, the longing that you have for the social media, for the entertainment, for the food, whatever, is meant to remind you and intensify the longing that you have Yes. to pray for the community. Yes. And so we have, I mean, just a lot of heavy things happening in our community. And so I, I wanted to invite all of us, whether fasting is something that is a regular part of our Christian life or something that we've never done before. I wanted to invite all of us, whatever it looks like, to enter into the season of Lent and to fast and intercede for one another that we may um, all be built up in Christ. I I think that's a great note to close on. And uh, why don't we close by, Brad, would you just intercede on behalf of the community and say a prayer for our community? Yes. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the gift of fasting. We do know that there are so many ways that it can go wrong, and so I pray that you would protect our community and guide our community as we enter into a corporate fast together during this season of Lent so that we may commune with you, so that we may know you, that we may express our longing for you, and that we may minister to 
one another. So would you, by your Holy Spirit, guide us all, reveal to us how you want us to fast during this season. And may you, in the midst of our prayers, be at work accomplishing your purposes for each of us at Shades Valley. We pray this in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.